We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. When the WNBA and the NBA doctors came back and, and didn't approve it, travel, it, it caused us to step back and have to analyze the situation and realize they weren't trying to make my life difficult. They were trying to protect me. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little. And they said the bubble would never work. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm your host, John Little. Great to have you along for another week, putting this out a day early as we get ready for the semifinals, the uh, series to start in the WNBA. And it is time to talk to the head coach of the Seattle Storm. The favorites to win the championship, or they have been all year, they're not the number one seed, but still a lot of people feel like they're in line to win their second championship in the last three years. Dan Hughes led to them, them to that championship a couple years ago. This year, he wasn't able to make the trip to the Wubble. Uh, he was not allowed to do so because of his pre-existing conditions, cancer-related, of course, and what he's been through over the last couple years. So we talk about that, and we also talk about his role currently in how he... Um, helps along his Seattle storm. And, you know, he's going to be extremely busy over the next few weeks trying to help his Seattle storm win their second championship in the last three years. Also stay tuned for some fascinating talk about how he prepared this offseason for this year and why he feels like even though he's not there in Bradenton, it wasn't a waste at all. It's the head coach of the Seattle storm, Dan Hughes. Oh, no problem. Man, it uh, certainly is and, and has been just such an interesting year for all of us. Uh, where do we find you today? I am in Beaver Creek, Ohio. We uh, 
moved here in the off season. Um, I'm from Ohio. My daughter lives about three or four miles away. My mother, um, who we, we care for a little bit is a couple hours away. So we're, our off season home is Ohio. All right. So, uh, you're watching from a thousand miles away, everything that's going on down in Florida right now. But, uh, you know, as, as I've seen the accounts come in, I didn't realize this uh, at first coach Hughes that it wasn't necessarily your decision not to coach this year. It was just that you weren't uh, approved. And I don't know how I missed that, but, um, uh, tell me about that process and, you know, how it, uh, affected you when it first happened. Well, um, you know, going into the, you know, there was a lot of discussion about what, what was the WNBA going to do? What was the NBA going to do? What was sports in general going to do? And so we knew that, you know, there were some plans being laid out. So my wife and I, you know, we kind of went and uh, did a lot of soul searching. I'm 65. Uh, I'm a year out from cancer surgery. So you, you had a lot of those things, you know, which caused you a lot of you know, so we evaluated and, and to be honest with you, had decided, OK, we're going to try to make this work. You know, we feel like, OK, it's it's a risk, but we're going to try to take it. Well, then we, we went to where, you know, we got set to go to Florida and those type of things. And they had a traveling party and part of the traveling party. You had to fill out, you know, different health situations. Most of them people are, you know, in, in good shape, you know, obviously we were a little different, you know, having come off of uh, the age thing, you know, and then also having the, the cancer surgery and, and having fought cancer, you know, just a year ago, not, not even a year ago, uh, slightly over a year ago, I guess. But when the WNBA and the NBA doctors came back and, and didn't approve it, uh, travel, it, it caused us to step back and have to analyze the situation and realize they weren't trying to make my life difficult. They were trying to protect me. So it, it was a hard decision, but one that, you know, we, we, we accepted, my wife and I accepted it and knew that there would be a new normal for us as far as being involved with the team, but had a lot of faith in Coach Kloppenberg, had a lot of faith in Noel Quinn and had, had great faith in the team that they were in a position to handle this. Well, there's no question that the team has handled it uh, so far. Um, did you know how good this team would be? I, I know a lot of prognosticators before the season, uh, you know, when you looked out there, the Seattle, obviously a popular pick with good reason. You guys are the 2018 champions, and and you've got Stewie back, and you've got um, Sue Bird back as well. Uh, but is there anything about how good this team has been that surprised you so far? You know, honestly, not really. Um, not really. If, if you look at the reality that um, what we did in 219 enabled 220 to be a carryover from 218. You know, we never really got a chance to put the same team on the floor in 219. It was a different team. You know, you didn't have Sue Bird. You didn't have Breonna Stewart, who, if you look in 218, were probably – the most effective duo in the WNBA and you, you didn't have either one of them for a second, but what you had was growth with the other players. Uh, Natasha Howard's the defensive player of the year. And then offensively is, 
averaging almost 18 points. Jordan Canada, to me, was the most improved player. Uh, Mercedes Russell, and so on and so on. You had a team that goes to the second round of the playoffs, wins 18 games in the regular season. You, you didn't stop the growth. And so you felt really good about what 220 was going to be, especially when you realize that we have our team down there and some of the other people do not. Most teams have been hit with, with a loss of a key player, and, and we haven't, you know, other than, you know, a few injuries and things we've had to work through. You know, we have our team, you know, in whole. And so there were reasons to think that we were in a good position. Well, and you've certainly showed that off uh, so far this season, the team has. How good is this team at just being able to play whatever style of game gets thrown their way? I think about last night, Dallas is uh, a team that's trying to get up and down and use their youthful legs, and they you know shoot a ton of threes, and then uh, you uh, your team's able to win that game, and, and you can win grinded-out games as well, uh, defensively-minded games too. How much confidence does that give you going into the playoffs that this team can win any type of game? Well, very, very confident. And you make a great point. You know, I, I think if you look at e- even back to before we came there in 218, we were a very good offensive team in the years where you were putting Sue and Stewie together when, when she came out as a rookie and, and those type of things. But what you weren't was a good defensive team. What you weren't was where you were, you, you, uh, when the ball didn't go in the basket, could you get fouled? Could you get in the lane and score on the interior? And I think that the journey in 218, you could see us that we had multiple ways to win the game. We could win the game by if we didn't shoot the three well. Now, we are built to shoot the three well. We, that, that's the team we put together. But, you know, sometimes you're just not going to. And you can you go on the interior and get paint points? And yeah, this team can. And can you win a game defensively? Can you win some ugly games? Which was vital to me that we be, uh, unfortunately, I, I have, I've had a lot of those games in my career. <laughs> when you go back to all the places I've been, I'm kind of a master at the ugly game, but you need to win some of those games along the way. You need some character games that you just win because you know how to, fight through and persist, you know, in regard to it. And I think that gives you a chance to win a championship. If you can win on those different kind of levels that you're speaking to, you have a chance to win a championship. You've been quoted in uh, this latest story from a couple of days ago, and it's just uh, fantastic about how uh, you worked or, you know, studied and prepared you said harder than you ever had before a season going into this one. What motivated that? What types of things were you checking out? And and how, even though you're not there in Florida, are you trying to continue to, to use that preparation that you did before the season and, and, and try to help the team along, even though you're not there? Well, I think the pandemic caused some of it. You know, it was, you, you know, the pandemic hit and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you are in a different stage, you know, not knowing when the season was going to be. Uh, those type of things. Um, I had just come off a year in the off season where I had been 
with USA Basketball a great, great deal. Cheryl Reeve and I had, with Don Staley, Coach Staley and, and Jen Rosati being in the collegiate season, we had taken the an Eastern and a Western collegiate tour. We had been to Puerto Rico. We had been to Argentina. We had been to Serbia with the team. So I had devoted an awful lot of the offseason to USA Basketball, and I wanted – I always have a process of what I do in off seasons and I really was efficient in getting ready, you know, for this season. And so all of a sudden the pandemic hits and I'm, I'm already a little ahead of the game. I had studied every play from two eight to and, and I had actually looked at two eighteen because I thought I needed to merge both years. And so then I went to work on terminology. I went to work on, on the playbook. I went to work on trying to study uh, what our team did. You know, there sometimes as a coach, you, you just benefit from having really good players that <laughs> make plays and you kind of stand up and clap and you get credit sometimes. And hell, you had nothing to do with it. You know, I mean, it's just good players playing basketball with each other. And But what I tried to do uh, was I tried very hard to catalog those things, create terminology for those things. Um, I had Becky Hammond, who had played for me for eight years, and then she now has been on the Spurs staff for a long time. And the the one thing she said to me, she says, Coach, we do a lot of things similar. The the difference is they have a name for everything. They have a a way to describe everything. (laughs) It's really interesting. Even as I watched the game last night, there were certain things that I thought, you know, I used to just kind of stand up and the players would, you know, I'd see them spatially do this. Well, by, by the time this this uh, pandemic had had kind of taken us through it, I that that now has terminology in, in, in my mind, at least, you know, as far as what we're doing. And so, yeah, I, I, I probably had, had easily the most prepared I'd ever been. And uh, I'm glad I did it. Uh, I, I think it helped uh, in my uh, ability to talk offsite with the staff or, or with anybody, you know, in regard to it. And it sure was the right thing to do because I thought I was going to coach, to be honest with you. Oh, absolutely. You're preparing as if you were going to do that, you know, especially with regards to how much work you put into it. And you've gone through a little bit the, uh, you know, some of the disappointment, but understanding not being able to go down to Bradenton. But with all that, do you feel feel connected to the team? And and do you feel like the work you did in the offseason – was was worth it well yeah yeah it, it's obviously worth it and I, and I feel connected I think you're talking about the heavy lifting though is not being done by Dan Hughes the the heavy lifting's being done by Gary Kloppenberg and Noel Quinn and the players and I get that I get that and I'm I miss not physically being with them but I do feel connected you know I've, we've been able to keep a normal coaching dialogue between all of us, whether it's Coach Loppenberg or Coach Quinn or me. Um, I've kept a, a running dialogue a little bit with the players. I would say it's more supportive than it is critical in regard to them, but uh, but a, a, a very much a running dialogue with the players. 
that that just kind of keep keeps going. And, and I do my homework just like I'm preparing for a game. You know, this morning I got up, I had studied Phoenix yesterday and had made notes. And I, you know, I I have the ability to have a little extra time, so I've been working with a a young man who is uh, getting his degree in statistics. I, I'm kind of fascinated by analytics and some of the things he brings. And so we, we, we have talks about where the team we're playing is trending towards and different things and what they're good at and statistically what they're not. And then I kind of push that forward. So in the morning when I get up, because I know the, the turnaround is very, very intense for the, for the coaches, I, I send them, you know, maybe 10, 15, 18 thoughts that I saw in the game kind of head coaching thoughts, those kind of things. But then I, I also send the stats and kind of what, what the reality is and in, in trends and things like that. And I, I shoot it off usually before eight o'clock uh, so that the coaches can take a look at it as they prepare their kind of uh, uh, scouting report for the players and for them in regard to that. And, uh, so it's, you know, I, I feel invested, but I, at the same time, I understand where the real work is being done by the coaches on site and by the team. It's just fascinating stuff, Coach Hughes. I really appreciate you imparting that to us. You talked about, with the players, more support than criticism or, you know, a, a direction or even, you know, probably constructive criticism is part of that reason just that you don't want them to have to feel like they're listening to to different voices that you truly let Gary and those that are on site kind of do that part of it? Yes, that's really well said. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. If they ask me a direct question, I'll I'll give them a direct answer. But by and large, I think being supportive is it, it, it allows a, a common thread of communication from Coach Kloppenberg and Noe to them. And it hasn't happened very much, but if a player wants to know what I saw, I, I, I don't hold back. But mostly, and I'm a positive coach anyway in a lot of ways, I'm, 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 I'm more there to support them, you know, in regard to it. I, you know, with the coaches, they're, they're, you'll, you know, I think they probably get a little more of – of a balanced statement, but with the players, it's a little more just being positive. I want them to know that the coach uses sitting in, in Beaver Creek, Ohio, just rooting like hell for them. That is awesome. And that brings me to my next question. Just as a fan of the WNBA, what's been your favorite part of watching these couple months of basketball? Well, one that the bubble, uh, wobble, however you want to call it, has worked. Uh, it's really worked. It's worked from the standpoint of health. You know, that's what I'm referring to. You know, when, when I remember how was this going to work, how is there going to be, you know, a spread of, of, of COVID-19? What's going to happen? Well, they you got to give them awful good marks. And I think you got to give the NBA awful good marks on the reality of making these bubbles work. Uh, and to me, that's just above everything. And this time and place, keeping our players healthy, that's just been huge. And I think it's been able to kind of get there, arrive, and stay healthy. And, and that's, just, that's just incredibly powerful. And just the forethought that it took, you know, from, you know, the sports world in general to be like, 
this is literally the only way that it's going to, you know, consistently uh, work uh, here yeah. is is really incredible to me. Um, uh, you know, how do you remember how early in the process you started hearing about there being a possibility of a bubble and and your first reaction to it did was your first reaction. Yeah, that's what we need to do. And this is going to work. Well, probably the first one I heard was the Disney thing with the NBA and then wondering how that would fit the WNBA. Would we be part of it? You know, which I thought would be great. But then where would the bubble be and, and how would that work? And, you know, you just were going through so much uh, at that time to try to understand where this journey was going to take us. You know, could we even have basketball? It was a very unique time. It was a very unique time. But you're, I think both the NBA and the WNBA are going to look back, and you got to give the leadership of the two leagues credit for bringing an environment that I think was safe for the players to play. Yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on being a coach and what the coach's role is in the social justice aspect of things. As um, I, I mean, the, the coaches in in the wobble have been so supportive of everything the players have wanted to do you know it's it's been a team thing but at the same time i mean it's again not necessarily something that we've been through before to this vast extent so what's your thought on how uh, the supporting cast in the wnba has supported the players and and how have you tried to do that how would you have done it if if you were there with them well, I think, um, you know, the starting point is that the players are people, are Americans who, who in their mind realize that things could be better. They, they want a world that they're going to grow into. You know, I, I'm, I'm older, but they want to grow into a world that's going to be, you know, going to be a better world for all people. And, you know, from this, I think coaches have supported it. I, I think a lot of people have supported it. But, you know, having grown up a lot in the 60s and 70s, which had some similar moments, you start to realize that, yeah, we're athletes, we're coaches, but we're also Americans. And, and we want America to be better for all people. So I think a lot of good has been done. And a lot of good has been supported. But you have to go right to the players. You have to go right to, I think, what was in their heart. And it was part of this particular season, this pandemic situation and all the different things. But I, I think they wanted to, to, to make America better. I think that a lot of people have supported that and have seen that as a worthwhile journey in a lot of ways. And, and we all do it in different ways. You know, I'm not with them, but I hope in my own world, the way I care for people I've come in contact with, people that reach out to me, uh, my neighbors, my family, you know, we, we had Zoom calls and I was all, I was part of a lot of things leading up that I thought our ownership did a great job with of making sure that we knew that, uh, you know, we had care in this area. You know, I, I, I think we all can care to make the world better. And whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one basis and how we treat people that, that cross our paths, whether it's our family, 
whether it's all those things, you know, that that's important to me. I try to do it from where I am. Um, I, I certainly know the power of people caring for others. You know, there's just not enough love in the world. You know, unfortunately, we we, we tend to be separated by some other things. But, you know, if there's ways you, you can put love back in, into relationships and love back into the world in the right kind of way, as opposed to some of the other things that divide us, um, I just try to do that from my isolated position here in Beaver Creek and uh, certainly uh, very much like the players want America to be better. Absolutely, Coach. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you spending so much of it with us and wish your team the best, but wish you the best there in uh, in Beaver Creek. And, uh, you know, I hope you have some very successful watch parties over the next few weeks. <laughs> Will do. Thank you much. All right. Thanks to Dan Hughes, the head coach of the Seattle Storm, here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Good luck to Seattle, but good luck to all the teams as we get ready to start the semifinals in the WNBA playoffs. I, I, honestly, I can't believe how well it's gone out there in Bradenton. Tip of the cap uh, to everyone that's been involved in getting that done this summer. It's been a lot of fun to watch, and it will continue to be fun to watch. The best is yet to come, right? Uh, we got the playoffs uh, in full swing right now. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. We always appreciate you doing that. Of course, it helps other people find the podcast. Uh, just get this great content to people who love women's basketball, who are champions of the game. And I, I know if you care about women's basketball like we do, you want to grow the game. This is a way you can grow it by uh, forwarding these chats onto your friends and family who you know uh, love the WNBA or love women's basketball as a whole. Share it on social media and, of course, rate and review on iTunes. Um, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzilai. Thanks to Susie Solis, our announcer, and also our music by Jared Deck. JaredDeckMusic.com. I'm your host, John Little, reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.